What is good, everybody, man? Welcome into the Blue Bloods as we are live here. Week three preview, man. The season's going a little bit too fast for me. It's going to start kind of snowballing, and me and Coach are going to be sitting here and, um, what, Coach? It's going to be week nine, ten. We're going to be talking about playoff implications, celebration bowl race, conference championships, man. It's going way too fast, man. But I'm here, Coach's Corner, my guy, Coach Fred, joining me. Coach, how we feeling, man? Feeling good, baby. Glad to be back on one more time with you, brother. Always, man. Always. I know you guys, real quick, man, you guys have a big out-of-conference matchup. McNeese, you guys get the conference play next week, man. PV traveling over to Lorman, man. How you guys feeling going into McNeese? Uh, McNeese, man, we had a we had a good week. Um, you know, a little disappointed with the, uh, the outcome from last week. Uh, you know, score may not have looked competitive. But uh, the game was very competitive. We had chances. Uh, defense played lights out. Uh, offense first half. Uh, we just got to figure out how to put together uh, four quarters um, offensively. And uh, I think we'll be okay. Um, and that's the goal this week coming up with uh, with McNeese, who we know um, is coming in with a chip on their shoulder. Uh, a lot was made uh, about us beating them last year. Uh, so those guys haven't forgotten. They're going to come in ready to shoot for us as well. So we got to be ready to go. Man, I'm excited. I know you guys are glad to be getting back to Lorman, man, get to play in front of those home fans. You guys have a streak here where you guys get to stay at the house for a little bit, man. I mean, for that first home game, does, does it feel a little bit different? Are the guys a little bit more amped up to finally be playing in that home stadium? Oh, no doubt. Uh, you know, coming in from uh, the last away game, uh, pulling onto campus at 4 a.m., uh, you know, you tend to start to look for the little things and the next two are at home. Uh, so, you know, you look forward to those. And then by the end of by the end of the day, uh, by the end of practice, uh, a couple RVs have started rolling in. Um, and that's when it really gets exciting for the young guys. Um, and then the older guys are like, OK, yeah, we, we are home now. We're home now. So uh, to have those RVs rolling in on Thursday, man, it's a good sign. Man, I'm excited. You know, shifting into storylines, man, we're going to go storylines here, talk a little bit about FBS versus FCS matchups this week, man. Really the last week where you have a, a long list of money games is next week conference play kind of takes over for everybody for the most part outside of a handful of matchups here and then. And we'll have a new segment debut in next week um, to take the place of those FBS, FCS conversations. And then, of course, we're going to get into full previews. And our game of the week is number 13, SEMO, faces number 15, Southern Illinois, who's one of the hottest teams in the country right now. But, Coach, man, Let's kick it off here. What's the, what's the one of the biggest storylines or just talking points in general FCS news, man, that, that you're looking forward to going into week three? Um, well, you know, I always keep it our conference. Uh, the conference that I work in, um, it's got to be the Alabama A&M versus the uh, uh, Jaguars of Southern Baton Rouge. Um, that is a, uh, a huge game early in the season uh, for obvious reasons for one program. Um, and then for the other program, I think it's a uh, a chance to prove that we are here and we're for real. I will say, I mean, we talked about it. We talked about it what Monday afternoon when we did our recap. Man, the pressure is on over there in Baton Rouge right now. You have 
yeah, I, I mean, that there's real rumors kind of circulating that. I mean, if they lose this game, there could be serious conversations of making some changes, whether it's head coaching changes, staff changes, roster changes, whatever it may be. I mean, the fans are really sick and tired, and they're fed up, and it's a fan base that's used to winning. The expectation is to win. And start and you scheduled this all swag schedule. So I know the two first games were non-conference games. You're looking at going winless against SWAC teams to start the season. And I don't I don't think that's a standard around Baton Rouge. And, and I don't think that was the aim or the goal uh with the scheduling idea. Um I think you know last week uh I think that was a uh, a game that was scheduled to uh to give themselves confidence, so to speak, uh, going forward, you know, with the last couple uh, championship games. Um, and I think that the expectations were really, really high and still high, uh, being that we're just going into week, week three. Um, but like you said, the, uh, the oven is up past 375 now. Um, so it is a, a serious, 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 serious situation. Um, hate to hear about it. Hate to see it in the profession, but it's part of what we do. Uh, I'm sure he's not real, you know, pressed about it, but you still hear and and see and, and, and you feel the, uh, you feel all the talk and all the pressure. Ain't no doubt about it. And then on the other side, Connell Maynard making sports center. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, I mean, he made his social media rounds, but I mean, he went viral for that, press conference no surprise i mean listen he is one of the most candid people like coaches head coaches especially to talk to to interview not surprised i will say i mean it, i know it got lost in the barking and in the hype around that where it was hilarious and everyone loved it but again man we it, it bothers me that some coaches at this level only get like that for conference games because you go, you go back to last year, going into what was it, week one or two last year, he said he makes the famous quote, only get paid to win conference games. And then this week, you're sitting win or, – or no, I guess I guess they beat a D2 team last week, but you're sitting there one-on-one and you're like, okay, now the season's here. Now conference play. Now it's time to get my guys hyped up. Now it's time that we're going to turn it on. It's like, man – you're two weeks late, man. Like you've had two games. Like you should have been barking at the camera going into Vanderbilt saying that we're going to get that check and bring me my money. And we're leaving Nashville with a win. Like that should have been the confidence. I still can't get behind the man. We're only fired up because now it's conference season. And that's, uh, I mean, I, I can't speak for, for, for coach. I can't speak for, you know, what's in the building. I can only speak for me as a coach. Um, anytime they're selling popcorn, and the band's playing, man, you want to win that game. You know, we went to Hattiesburg with intentions of winning that game. Uh, we went to uh, Stephen F. Austin with intentions of winning that game. Uh, you don't go to play not to win. Um, and the only, the, the only, and I love coach, and the only problem that I kind of have with it, coach, I mean, B, is a couple years ago when that guy was at the other school uh, up I-20, uh, I'm sorry, at Jackson State, uh, he kind of hushed you and you went away and now you're back. And I just don't like the way that looks, man. You know what I mean? That's just me. That's just me. No, and Ty, I, I see you in the comments. I'm not saying you guys didn't compete well. Like, they ended up competing really well. I'm saying coming into that game, 
the confidence in the press conference was different, man. Like I need to, I, I want my coach to be like, man, we're going to collect. If you think Trey Oliver, when he's asked about the UCLA game, isn't like, man, we coming back with a scalp this weekend, man. And a power five scout, we're going to be that team. Like, we're going to beat them. It's a top 25 FPS team. It's not Vanderbilt. I mean, let's be at the end of the day. All disrespect meant to Vanderbilt. I'm going to be honest with you. I used to say no disrespect, all disrespect for Vanderbilt. It's Vanderbilt. It, hey, you've got to you've got to think you can win that game. And, then, you know, shifting, shifting from that coach to, I think, this is such an important game for both teams because we understand the hot seat talk with Dooley, but let's look at the divisional races. The West right now is, I mean, it might be more chaotic than even when me and you talked a few months ago, we thought it could be chaotic. I mean, we really, I mean, outside of PV beating Texas Southern, I mean, you don't know with all the money games and out of conference games, you really don't know what anyone has yet. And this could be huge for, to get Southern there if they lose now they're falling behind pv if 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 i'm um, i mean you never know what these other teams are going to do i mean you set yourself way back and then you look at the other side famu's already been already looked impressive already got a win over jackson what happens if AM falls down and now you're looking around like okay well now do, where do we stack up in this in this division because i mean i think it's really that those top four teams you got bama state AM, jackson and famu I'm sorry, I don't think Bethune and Valley are ready to compete. Uh, just based on what I've seen on the field, I mean, Valley just lost to a D2 team last week. Uh, Bethune only went over a D2 team, and they're getting blitzed by Miami right now on national TV. It's a four-team race, but you kind of put yourself at the bottom of the pecking order in the four in, in, in this in this race if you lose to Southern, especially because Jackson just got a win over Southern on the road last week. I think it's uh, – I don't know if you remember in school, at least in school in Florida, like in elementary school, there was a little red box and it had a little small hammer with the thing behind the glass and it said, break in case of emergency. Yeah. Uh, if you drop that one, it, it's time to break in case of emergency. Um, the West, man, I, I, the scheduling has made it really, really uh, interesting uh, to the point to where – you know, you've, you can say you're not looking around, but you're looking around because you don't want too many people to sprint out ahead of you. And now everything becomes really, really important. Now, every game's important, but you drop one and now it's really, you know, man, we got to go. There's no room for any error uh, when it comes to that. And then, you know, when we're talking about storyline, uh, to jump back to one, uh, can Miles State claim to, to come into the conference? I mean, that's uh, that's going to be an interesting one as well uh, for mm -hmm. me when I'm staying within the conference. The Miles UAPB and then the uh, the Cal uh, Idaho uh, interesting storylines going around for me in the uh, FCS. Yeah, and I agree, Todd. Listen, I, I and Coach said it too. Swat games are not predictable, man. Anything can happen, especially in that <laughs> West. I'm talking about. I mean. And, and it also means something real quick before we shift into the next storyline. It means something to win by a lot. If you, if, if it's a three-way tie, it goes to how big of a points differential you're beating some of your opponents by. Like, that's in the tiebreaker rules and stuff like that. So you have to win impressively. You can't be going to overtime, winning by one or two. A win's a win. But that could be the difference of keeping you from going to the SWAC championship. So there's going to be so much on the line for both Southern and A&M. 
But coach, real quick before we shift to the FBS games, I shout out to the analyst uh, Craig Haley and all those guys over there. They did a breakdown finally. Just I guess we can say two and a half weeks. There were only what three games week zero. They kind of looked at this new clock rule in terms of how many plays people are getting off, scoring trends, things like that. And it's a small sample size, but it's interesting to look. Coach, only three teams have went over 70 snaps this year. It's uh, it's tough, man. Um, and I'll just, you know, I'll tell you because of the uh, – if you can run it and, and you can be really good in the timely pass game, man, you can melt away the clock – um, in your favor if you're up. Um, and right now, defenses are getting smart. Uh, that day of where everybody's going ultra super fast, uh, you know, that's pretty much long gone. Uh, I won't give the secret, but, uh, you know, defenses aren't going to let you do that anymore. I mean, it's nothing you can do about it. Uh, but, you know, tee it up and get ready to go for the next play when they blow the whistle. But uh, it's uh, it's tough, man. And it's like I said, it's it's like the days of old when Nebraska get up on you, uh, two scores, you're in trouble. So the th- it's interesting too. An uh, interesting stat on top of that, of the three teams that have went over seventy plays, two of them have lost. Who are they? North Alabama is has run the most. They had eighty one plays in a loss to Tarleton State. Number wow. two is the one winner, Western Carolina, 78 plays against Sanford where, I mean, they controlled the ball for 45, you know, almost 45 minutes of the game it felt like. And then the third one is PV, 74 plays last week against Abilene Christian in that loss. Wow. But they ran for, what, 302 yards or something? I mean, they ran the ball really well, so not surprising. But in comparison, Coach, North Alabama's 81 snaps last year would have – ranked only eighth highest last year and 40 different 40 different FCS teams ran 75 or more plays last year. Only two have hit over 75 this year. It's tough, bro. Uh, you know, that was the, uh, I think that was the get out of, uh, get out of jail free card, so to speak. Um, you try to get teams late in the game, uh, you know, you've, you've done a lot of plays in the first half. You've tried to go for close to 40 in the first half. And you hope that, you know, your pace catches up to the other team's uh, defense. Um, but now, you know, the, the rule, the timing change, uh, the safety precautions, uh, it, it almost makes it impossible. So when you say someone went for 81 plays, I'm just like, wow, okay. You know, it, it's wild. So the, it, according to their article, man, shout out to Brian McLaughlin. He said at this point, at the, at this, at this point of the season last year, there were 15 teams averaging 40 plus points, including two over 59 and a half. Not happening this year. Not, not even, I mean, it's not even close. You got to have, uh, to get that now, you've got to have some special teams, uh, you know, to get that point total, you got to have some special team stuff happen for you. You got to have some turnovers happen for you. You got to get some short fields. Um, no longer will you drive the field like that. And, you know, and Coach Frederick and those guys are doing a great job over there at PV. Um, when you're talking about running that ball and eating that clock, um, mm. that might have worked against them in that situation uh, just because uh, 10 yards here, three yards here, five yards here, guess what that clock's doing? 
it's steadily it's steadily moving. Yeah, it probably didn't help that they gave up. I want to say three hundred yards passing to Abilene Christian. I mean, yeah. that, on the flip side, I mean, the defense didn't play very well last week, but it's still because with that North Alabama game, they they ran eighty plus plays, but that game finished. I want to say it was like fifty six to thirty five or something. I mean, it was just quick yeah, touchdown, quick touchdown. I mean, just back and forth. So that's what you're going to need. But man, shifting to FBS, FCS upsets, man. We only we only have three this year, Coach, which is very very low as we enter kind of the last week full of these these money games. I uh, you mentioned the you mentioned one man. I think obviously Idaho at Cal is one that you have to look at. I mean Cal really struggled last week with Auburn offensively. They're going up against an explosive offense in Idaho who just beat Nevada 33 to 6. I mean it wasn't even close. And you're looking at that game is like if Giovanni McCoy Hayden Hatton, if that offense gets rolling, man, does Cal have the firepower to withstand Idaho this week? And, I, you know, going back to what we were just talking about, will Cal use that, that clock rule to lean on them a little bit, try and get up and keep all those people on the sideline uh, so that they don't end up in a tussle at the end of the, uh, at the, end of the game? Uh, because I don't know if they can continue – if they can keep pace with that – uh, if Idaho gets to rolling, man, you know, your guy, the the, the trigger man back there, your guy is, is pretty special. And also, uh, my, shout out to my guy, Timothy, man, contributor for the Blue Bloods on the website. He said Cal's running back's probably out of the game. He got knocked out last week against Auburn, probably not available this weekend against the Vandals either. You know, I would like to think that Cal's got maybe another guy that's halfway as good as him behind him. They do. Uh, they got the kid that was at Montana State last year. The um, Isaiah Fonzi is the backup. Yeah, the, the kid that jumped the portal. Mm-hmm. Um, up front, man, I think Cal has got to, you know, establish that and not try and get in the shootout with him, man. Just, you know, swallow your pride uh, and just hammer it. And if you get out of there with a 24-17 win, who cares? You got out of there with a 24-17 win. Uh, no need in trying to run it up and you'll find yourself in a 45-42 loss kind of thing. Dustin in the chat, Idaho is apparently a four-and-a-half point favorite. Eesh. <laughs> Over a Power 5 school. Like, this is a Pac-12 school. Man. That's brutal, man. I mean, Gosh, that's tough. But another one, I don't know if this will be an upset. This is one I'm going to be watching closely, though. North Carolina Central traveling out to UCLA, cross-country trip. Even if this isn't an upset, which I know Trey Oliver and a lot of the Central guys are saying it could be, this is Davius Richards' money game. He's got to go out there and ball out, whether it's leading them to an upset, which is going to be extremely difficult because UCLA is really good as a team, way better than people thought this year. I want to say just broke into the top 25, and then you got you just have if you can't get the win you got to play well man me and you talked last week he's done well on the ground but he really hasn't showed off his arm this season I guess to the full potential that we were expecting I know we just plays within the offense and is collecting wins we got to go see him ball out this weekend because this is going to determine his draft stock oh no doubt um, and he's got to have that mindset um, not to not to press but he's got to have that mindset to, to be as efficient as he possibly can um, without the pressing mistakes, uh, meaning, you know, trying to show off arm talent uh, and no win type situations. Uh, I think he's got to make sure that he plays within his system 
I know Coach Leone and Coach Oliver are going to, you know, put a, put together a great plan for him. Uh, but he's got to make sure that he doesn't try to go out and overdo it um, in that situation. I'm going to be interested just to see not just Leone's play calling approach, but just the game plan for that one. Because you, on the flip side, you know your best player is Davius. Do you just put the ball in his hands and say, man, go, go try to win us this game? Or is it, man, we know we, we got a big physical offensive line. We have a loaded running back room. Davius can run, man. Let's just try to, like we talked about, army this out and shorten this game up, and they're going to have to stop us running. I would like to think that, but then I'll just tell you, B, when you get there, the competitive juices get to flowing, man. I mean, you know, you've, you've been inside those, you know, inside the line, uh, inside those lines. Um, and then, Lord, you know, Lord forbid you look up and you're in a 14-10 type game, and now you're like, oh, we got an opportunity. Let's let's go. And some of those plays you may not have carried in there where you're putting him in the run game, you may now, you know, you may now call one or two of those. Uh, hopefully it doesn't get out of hand early uh, and you give yourself an opportunity, but you're smart because you know you have something else bigger and better coming up behind that. And then the last two, these are these are ones I'm really interested to see. I don't know if I'm picking the upset in either one of these, but the storylines are going to be deep in these. You got Sac State traveling to Sanford or, or Stanford. Troy Taylor, yeah, Troy Taylor, former Sac State head coach, going up against his former defensive coordinator and Andy Thompson. That <clears throat> there's going to be a lot of players on each side that are going to want to win this game for their coach. I just, I, I just want to know if I, I think Stanford probably gets to, Stanford probably gets to win, but I just want to know if Sac State can keep it close, man, because that would be an inspiring performance, man, for for against their former head coach and inspire a lot of confidence for, for them going into conference play if they come in there and at least compete and don't get the doors blown off of them. And I think that that should be their goal, um, A, to get out of there healthy, uh, but also to uh, not get boat raced in that situation um, because they've got something uh, moving in a, you know, in a positive direction, man. Um, I think they're one of those programs that are kind of up and coming. Um, after last year, even though they lost some people in the portal, uh, they put out a good product, and uh, you know I think this will be a a, a game that will help them uh, in recruiting beyond any measure, so to speak. Hey, we went out there and played with uh, with Stanford. Uh, you come here and do it, and, and you know all the all the recruiting things that we tell kids when we uh, when we play those schools. And then of course the final one, Jackson traveling over to Texas State, and this looks like. Just kind of based on because all the other money games for the swack have kind of run out. This is really kind of like the last chance to end the streak before we might as well just extend it to 2024. 1985 to 2024 now. I'm gonna bet on Jackson. I I want them to win. I think I think everyone everyone kind of gets confused sometimes, but I root for every I, I'm I'm rooting for Sanford to beat my alma mater in Auburn this weekend. <laughs> I would love to see it happen, man. I hope Michael Hires goes out there and has him a Heisman type performance and just and tears Auburn up, man. Just I'm I'm always for FCS over FBS upsets. Now, you know, if, if they if I just want them to keep it competitive at the least. I don't know if they're gonna go into Jordan Hare and beat Auburn, but like for Jackson State, Texas State, it's interesting too. I'm gonna be paying attention because man, GJ Kenny's my guy. I got I loved watching him in incarnate word last year, and that team is loaded 
full of FCS transfers. Running back from Houston Christian, Incarnate Word has like eleven players on that team that were all conference all Americans. You got you got the all American wide receiver and Joey um, Hobbert from uh, Utah Tech on that team. I mean. They just brought everyone they could with him. And then you got a bunch of FBS guys that transferred down to Texas State. Is this going to be a really good litmus test on where the SWAC is as a whole, man? Because so far, no one's been able to pull it out in terms of their money games. We've had a lot of great opportunities and good matchups that we, me and you and a lot of people in the chat who watched the show felt confident about. But everyone's kind of underperformed in those. Even FAMU last week. They performed well, but, man, we thought it was going to be a little bit closer than it ended up being, and they had chances to win that game, and they didn't play well in some aspects. The SWAC needs this one, man, because if you extend it to 2024, man, people are going to be like, man, we're, we're about to hit the anniversary here, man. This thing's this, this streak is older than some people who are SWAC fans right now. Yeah, and this one, um, Texas State's really good, man. They play, uh, you know, that – that first week, man, they play really hard. They play fast. Um, they're going to actually sneak sneak up on a lot of people, I think, this year. I won't say sneak because after about week four, everybody will be looking for them. Um, but, you know, again, I'm rooting for Jackson to win that game. Um, and I, I hope they win it. And, you know, my reasons for them winning it is so that the streak ends – Oh, it needs to. It's been too long. It's like that McNeese streak. It's like that McNeese streak that y'all broke last year. Had to. Yeah, it had, it, it had to happen. Um, I, I hope it happens for them. And you know, the the big thing about that is it happens for them, and then we come back and we beat them at the end of the year. Then we can sit here and say that you know, well, we could have beat Texas State. You know how that thing goes. Oh, but uh, it's going to be a tall task, man. Um, but they've got pieces that you know I think they can compete if they can uh, take care of Jason Brown. Uh, I'm sorry, the quarterback uh, of that school and uh, leave those silver helmets home. I think they have an opportunity. Yeah, I, listen, the, the white J helmets, goaded. Those things yeah. are clean, man. Keep those. Just keep the, the white and navy blue J helmets. Just play uh, those. Man, Just they play are so I, – I love those helmets. Man, I, th those, those are the ones for me, regardless of the uniform combination or anything. But I will say – Huge opportunity because right now we're looking at – I was, I was kind of starting to compile out-of-conference records for all the conferences for a later topic later in the year. One division, one out-of-conference win for the SWAC this year. And so, it was ja and it was Jackson over South Carolina State. Yeah. And uh, before we move into, uh, into the show, so to speak, uh, I don't – this doesn't qualify for what you said, but it kind of does. Um. I'm going to have an eye on that Delta uh, Valley game. Yes. Um, I don't know if you noticed a, uh, a particular thing came from Vegas on that game. Uh, 25? I'm just like, 25 point favorites? What? In the, like, this has got to be a joke. There's no way this is, this is real. Um, I'm going to keep an eye on that one. And, again, it's not what we were talking about, but it's what we were talking about. That is so disrespectful. That's crazy. to a division one program to be 25 point underdogs to a division. That is to, crazy. To, I mean, and this is no disrespect. Listen, if you're a Delta State fan who stumbles across this, Delta State's a legit program, a legit D2 program that competes for conference championships, playoff no appearances. Doubt no doubt about it. But there is no situation 
that should ever happen where a team in a subdivision lower than than the team they're playing is 25 point favorites that is insane that i mean i don't even think uh, i'm trying to think i mean what grant um I'm trying to think of who the number one D2 team is right now. I can't think off the top of my head. Probably like Grand Valley State or someone. It's like, you know, who would they be 25 points over in the FCS? Like, that's a legit team. That, that to me, I thought was just like a beginning of the week uh, blooper joke or something like that. Something just like that. There's no way there it's a, a four, four score favorite from the jump. Um, mm. So, yeah, if that's I'm, one of my kid- if I'm Kendrick Wade, that's in every locker. That's in every bathroom stall. That's in every classroom. My players have a class in. That's in it. That's in all their cars. I'm putting that in their dorms. I mean, I, dude, it's that you are not going to forget that that happened. That's uh, that's one of them deals where it's like it's on the loudspeaker throughout practice. Uh, like you said, it is everywhere. It's in the cafeteria. It's mm. everywhere. It's everywhere. I, Two other D2 games that will be interesting. That I don't think they're upsets by any means. That are going to be interesting matchups, though. Ferris State traveling to Montana. We mentioned that on the preview show. Ferris State's defending D2 national champions facing Montana, who I'm going to say it has not looked super impressive this year. I'm not predicting an upset. It's, going to, it's tough to go in, into Missoula and win a game, but I think that game is going to be more competitive than the people think. I want to say Montana is only a seven-point favorite in that game. And then you've got the FAMU West Florida game, a very very interesting game. A FAMU in the driver's seat in the in, in the SWAC East right now. That's a game they got to win. I think it'll be I think it'll be competitive early, but man, FAMU needs to pull away late in that one. They need to win that game by ten plus. Uh, you're saying ten. I'm saying more than that. Um, just because uh, you know, in state down I ten. Um, you want to squash all talk about that being some type of rivalry uh, right now, uh, not letting that catch fire. Uh, so I'd say it's got to be more than that. And uh, I expect it to be more than that. It, it needs to be. I, I'll, I'll agree. I was being I was being reserved just because West Florida is not just like your average D2 team. Like, right, right. I, I mean, they're even they're even better than probably Delta State right now. So, I mean, I, I think. They're, they're probably a top 25 team. I don't know the D2 rankings off the top of my head, but they've been a top 25 team in That's recent fair. memory, at least. But shifting to predictions, man, that way we can, man, we've, we spent 30 minutes on storylines, man. Tom flew by <laughs> in that segment right that. there. No, it, it flew by for me, too. Coach, let's let's kick it off here, man. Owen 2 Townsend traveling to Morgan State, sitting at 1 and 1, 6 p.m. Eastern time kickoff, ESPN Plus. Coach, how are you feeling about this matchup? between Townsend and Morgan State? Morgan State brings in the eighth-ranked defense, and Townsend has, like, the, uh, I don't know, 80-something-ranked <laughs> offense. Uh, something's got to give, man. Uh, hmm. Something's got to give. And I just hope that uh, – I hope that Morgan can can continue on. Uh, I hope that the wheels don't fall off after that heartbreaking loss last week. Uh, but – they say defense travels, defense shows up, and they have a defense. So uh, something's got to give. Either the eighth-ranked defense scores on the 87th-ranked uh, offense or the 87th-ranked offense gets it going against the eighth-ranked uh, top defense. I don't know about that one. But did you know that this, this, this game actually had a name? No, I did not. 
It's called The Battle for Greater Baltimore. Wow. Because these schools apparently are not separated by much. I don't know if my guy Banks is in the chat, but I mean, these schools are like in the same city. Wow. I did not know that. <laughs> There's a trophy involved? Yeah. I don't know if there's a trophy, Man. but it definitely has a name. It, I, it, if it has a name, it needs a trophy. I'm just going to put it out there. I don't know if it has a trophy, but it's definitely – it's definitely labeled, but I will say, man, th the Tigers have struggled offensively. Uh, I mean, really and truly. I mean, Nathan Kent has kind of played up and down. He showed flashes. I think his wide receivers to Kendall James and uh, Lucas uh, Londino, they've they've been good given the opportunity, but it's just been inconsistent. I think the defense the defense for Townsend has to step up this week because if you if you let this Morgan offense get to fourteen, it might be out of reach. That it far. really might. It really – that's how good I think this Morgan defense could be, Coach. I would not be surprised by saying this. They have the best linebacking core probably in FCS football. And you've been one that's been screaming that from the beginning. Um, I finally figured out how to see the chats, how to see the comments. Yeah. And uh, someone said the the, uh, the trophy needs to be in the wire. I don't know. Are you are you old enough to remember the wire? Did you ever yeah, see Yeah, I am. Okay. I, I probably I probably was barely old enough. To, I probably didn't watch it when it was like actually coming out, but like I, I know what it is now. So uh, probably probably a little bit before my time, but not too much. But I will say, man, Eric Hunter and and Lawrence Richardson at linebacker, man. I don't know if they have the deepest linebacking core. I mean, South Dakota State's got a few guys over there, but in terms of just how good their starting two linebackers are, man, it's it's legit. And then you got Elijah Williams on the defensive line, who was unblockable against Akron last week, and. The problem is, I think offensively, there's a lot of concern for Morgan State because I, I don't think me and you would disagree if they had a mid-level offense where it's like 30th, 40th in the nation. This team probably is a top 15 team in FCS. I mean, that's how good their defense really is to carry them that far. But I will say, I'm interested to see how Deuce Taylor plays. They finally benched the bench Carson. They put in Deuce Taylor, and the offense, given that it wasn't, it wasn't a lot better it seemed to have a little bit more consistently like or consistency to it where it had more flow to it, a little bit more juice. He had two passing touchdowns. JJ Davis and, and Jabril Johnson have to have big games though, because you have a young quarterback and Deuce probably making his first start this season. You have to take the pressure off of him. You can't put this game all on Deuce's Deuce's shoulders and you have a Townsend team that's allowing almost 200 yards per game on the ground, did not look great against Monmouth last week. If you can establish the rushing game and let Deuce kind of pick his spots and you just go out there and let your defense do what they do, man, I, I like Morgan's chances in this game. And, and to go with what you said, it was a, uh, it was a different pop uh, when he did come in from the, uh, the little bit that I got to look and break down. Um, the one thing, and I think we kind of touched on it last show, the one thing that I hope doesn't happen, man, for these kids' sake, uh, when you lose a game the way they lost that game, man, it becomes a, uh, a thing that's in the back of your mind. So I hope that they have put that behind them uh, and they realize they can't get that one back and they're on to the next. Uh, because I want to see them as they start to get into conference play, man, because they are playing freaking lights out right now. If they get an offense, I'm just saying, I mean, if they get, I mean, if they get any sort of offense, they're the best team in the MEAC right now. They've got to have a guy that they can raise up and throw the slant, uh, that they can get on a deep ball every now and then. They've got to have a guy that can get them uh, a third and eight catch, 
just to keep that defense, man, fresh and, and, and ready to freaking go. Because the defense is actually going to score points for you, uh, yeah. which is crazy. Um, I mean, it's almost like they are the uh, the old Pittsburgh Steelers of old. You know what I mean? Or, or like the 2000 Ravens. I mean, <laughs> they're, they're, they're so good. I mean, I, Coach, I'm telling you, th- Thursday night, um, I forgot what day it is. They have a Thursday night game at home against Central. So it's a short week to that week for Central yeah. and Morgan. Thursday night in Baltimore, I'm flying up for that game. I've already got my plans booked. I'm I'm going. I just have to see Davius Richard against his defense. What week is that? Uh, let me see if I can find it. One second. Because uh, I, I I don't remember. I want to say it's the middle of October. Let me pull up. Let's see. It's it's October nineteenth. Hold up. Hold up. Might have to. Might have to road trip that thing. <laughs> October 19th, 6.30 p.m. kickoff, guys. They might not let me in. Did it come in with the funny hat and the glasses that have the mustache on it? Oh, no, man, because, hey, you're a swat coach. I don't think they'd even hey, – hey, we'll, we'll talk to Leone. We'll get you in. We'll, we'll be like, man, listen, he's he's guest appearing on the coaching staff. He's coaching the wide receivers this game. Hey, kind of like uh, Sam – Coach Sam Washington was. He looked up in the celebration bowl, and you're like, "What is he doing?" Yeah. <laughs> they had they had every they had every Miac head coach on the sideline coach in a different position at the celebration bowl. <laughs> but but oh I man, say, that's our bye week, October nineteenth. Yes. All right. That's so me and week. Coach might might do the coach's corner from Baltimore that week, man, because I'm going up to that game, and I, I can listen. That might be the first live coach's corner from a game, man. Me and Coach probably gonna make that trip up to Baltimore, but Coach. I'll go ahead and give my prediction first. I, I I think Townsend could be good under Pete Shinnick coming in from West Florida. He's going to need a year or two to rebuild this roster. I, I think they're a year or two away from really competing. Morgan looks ready to compete now. I think they're going to have enough offense against a, I, I would say, not a very strong Townsend off, you know, defense to score a little bit. Give me Morgan State 20 to 10 over Townsend this weekend. Man, I was. Uh, I mean, we're picking the same team, but I was going with like a uh, more of a 17 to 10 type thing uh, with a defense for Morgan scoring at least 14 of it. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going Morgan uh, 17 to 10. I, I like that. I, I I don't mind that one, man. Shifting to we've covered this team for the first two weeks. It won't be a weekly thing, but, man, they've had some pretty good games we've had to talk about, man. Central Arkansas, one and one, traveling up to Fargo. In the in the Fargo Dome, taking on number two North Dakota State, two and zero on the season, two big wins over Eastern Washington and Maine. Coach, any chance the Bears come in, pull off the upset at three thirty p.m. Eastern Time kickoff on ESPN Plus this weekend? Man, I, I want to say because the numbers say that there is a chance. The numbers oh, it, say that there is a chance. Central Arkansas is talented. I don't think yeah. I don't think people understand that. It says, you know, the numbers say they have a chance. Um, but you know how I feel about the uh, the Dakota State, man. Mm. If they get up seven and they get that ball, you you had the great lead in uh, with the show, with the timing rules, uh, almost 500 yards a game of offense uh, with a majority of that coming on the ground. Uh, UCA has got to make this shootout. Uh, and they've got to get up early uh, to make it a shootout, to make the uh, Dakota State have to do something they don't want to do, which is put the ball in the air consistently. 
the it, here's what makes this matchup so interesting for me, Coach. Central Central Arkansas might be one of the only teams in the country that can match the depth of the Bison running back room. They got yeah. All American transfer Shandarik Powell coming in. Kylan James has exploded out of nowhere for a breakout season, and you got All American Darius Hell in that running back room, and you got probably two other guys that have shown flashes. So you're at least three deep at running back. Uh, James and Powell both have put up two touchdowns this year, both over 130 yards rushing. If you can run the football and you make it where, okay, yeah, we might give up a touchdown in North Dakota State. It might be a six, seven-minute drive, but I turn around and make it my six, seven-minute drive to score again. Guess what, bro? We're at halftime. It's 7-7. Seven, seven. Yep. Or it might be the second, late second quarter. It's 7-7. Seven, seven. Keep it closed, man. Give yourself a chance to win late in the game. The key for the Bears, if they're going to stand any chance in this game, they're going to have to run for 200 yards this weekend. And they've got to make sure that they don't allow Dakota State to run for 300-plus yards. Averaging uh, eight yards a carry. Yeah. They've got to cut that off uh, somehow. Um, you can't give up every second carry being a first down. Uh, even though, you know, you're playing really good defense uh, under 300 yards a game, but we all know that Dakota State is running for over 300 yards a game. So something's got to give, and you can't let them get off their running game because if they get off their running game, uh, it's going to be tough for you. Now you've got to become the team that, that scores in four or five plays. I will say Central Arkansas, they played Texas College or someone like last week, beat them like 70 to 2. I mean, it was it was disgusting, but they were really competitive against Oklahoma State week one coach. They held Oklahoma State to 27 points. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. They're playing defense. Um, but now, you know, you've got to go in the dome and you've got to do a deal of where you've got to give yourself a chance. Um, and that's got to be cutting the run game off. So if they can do it, they got a chance. But I'm not going to take them in this situation just because uh, I got it a 27-17 type of thing uh, with uh, Dakota State winning that. I I like it. I I think it could be that close. I will say the Bison, uh, you know, I I don't like using stats for a team with two games when they played a school like Texas College, but the Bison have played – Two respectable FCS programs, they've they're allowing 8.5 points per game and 281 yards per game. I mean, they're all and Cole Wisniewski all over. He's like an in-the-box type safety, three picks, 14 tackles. He's been all over the field. We know what Peyton and Miller are in, in terms of running quarterbacks. Man, when you when your two starting quarterbacks have combined for 350 yards and six touchdowns in two weeks. And they got a they got an all American running back behind them who is losing carries because his two quarterbacks are just that good at running the football. I will say whoever establishes the rushing attack best is is there. But I agree with what Dave said in the chat, man. This North Dakota State defense has the makings of the best one in the past at least three years. They're that talented, and I'm really surprised because they had a lot of new pieces. They I think that loss in the national championship to your rival. That woke up something in North Dakota State, and they want to get back there, and they want to prove not only in the Dakota marker when they face in the regular season, they want to see them in Frisco, and they want to reverse that feeling of like, man, I need you guys to feel what we felt for 365 days as we saw all that blue national championship merch all year. Coach, I got it a little bit steeper, but I think North Dakota State is going to score late. I got North Dakota State 35-17 over Central Arkansas this weekend. Yeah. 
Okay. okay. Yeah, I I like it. And, and EA, th- th- it was no disrespect to FAMU's running back room. It's not the same level as North Dakota State or Central Arkansas. Because they're doing it more to me. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's a, different. A like, and, and also, you look at you look at those running back rooms. You have all Americans. They like both running back rooms have all Americans in them. Central Arkansas has two guys who have been first team FCS All Americans. I mean, bro, I, I don't know what you want me to do with that. And then you also let's not forget South Dakota State with with Amar Johnson and Isaiah Davis. I mean, listen, it's steep competition for running back rooms. But FAMU's got a great one. Listen, it's not Central Arkansas and North Dakota State, though. No offense. Jarvion Howard, <laughs> Nico Duffy. Exactly. I knew Coach was coming with it, too. I, I tossed that one to him. But, Coach, shifting to – I'll be honest, Coach. This is the game I'm probably looking most forward to this this weekend. I can't wait for this. I'm going to have my popcorn ready, everything. I'm going to have the – like the, I'm going to wear glasses. I don't even need them because I need to see this game. Western Carolina, one and one. We know the big upset over Sanford. Traveling to Eastern Kentucky, sitting at 0 2. They had back to back FBS games versus Cincinnati and Kentucky, not counting those in terms of what this program is going to look like at the FCS level. This game is huge for playoff implications and deciding whether is Western Carolina legit or is Eastern Kentucky taking a huge step forward after making that playoff run last year. Coach, when you look at the cat, when you look at this matchup between the Catamounts and the Colonels, man, what do you see? It's funny you brought that up because I had that as my my number one uh, game that we're going over as well. Uh, but my reason is I want to see if, like you said, kind of down the same line, I want to see if Western Carolina is for real. Um, I want to see if they can put the uh, the thing the win last week behind them uh, and continue on to where I think they are. Uh, but you know, you have a win that was as big as theirs was last last week over uh, over Sanford. Uh, you know, the week is a lot better practice-wise, but you've got to find a way to get the kids back because you said it best, I think, that they are a little ahead of, tra- uh, of schedule. Uh, we haven't arrived. We hadn't done anything. We just, you know, won a game that we expected to win. Now we've got another one. Uh, I, I want to see can, can Eastern – uh, not give up 500 a game, uh, this game, and keep uh, keep Western Carolina under wraps. And if Western Carolina can win another tight, tight situation, not a blowout, uh, because I think that will give us uh, a, a dial on whether they are here or they're still, you know, working their way there. Uh, tight games, uh, good teams win those. This game stylistically so interesting because Western Carolina was super balanced last week. And I, I think that's going to be Kerwin Bell. I, and saying that for a Kerwin Bell team. Because they're not well, supposed to like, be. Like what? And that just shows how much trust he has in Desmond Reed, I think. Man, that kid is electric for being a sophomore. And then on the flip side, you have an Eastern Kentucky team led by Parker McKinney, who surpassed 10,000 career passing yards last week against Kentucky. Kid is, I mean, kid's legit, FCS All-American, but he's got to be more consistent. He's thrown a lot of picks this year, more than usual. He has more picks and touchdowns this year. It's just tough to, I, I hate, that's why I kind of hate money games because you come into a week three matchup like this. We've seen Western Carolina play Sanford. We kind of know what we're going to get from them. We saw them against an FCS school. What can we take away from Eastern Kentucky playing Kentucky and Cincinnati, two teams that are 
I would say top 50 in the FBS. I mean, these aren't these these aren't the Bowling Greens and, you know, South Florida's or anyone like that. So it's like, what can you take away? They play Kentucky really close in the first half. That was a they were tied or it was like three points or something like that at halftime. It's a hell of a game. I will say they have to establish the rushing attack. They they have struggled running the football. They have talent at the running back spot. But I wonder if we saw Western Carolina cut off the run last week for Sanford. They said it's going to be Michael hires or die. He can throw the ball all over us, but y'all are not running it. And we're going to be balanced to eat up this time of possession. If it comes just on Parker McKinney's shoulders, are they too one-dimensional to win this game? That's my concern. I just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll go back to Coach Bell. Um, I think when they got the rushing thing going, uh, that was just a plus because I, I think their bread and butter is going to always be through the air. Um, if they can continue to keep that plus side thing, you know, thing going with the rush, uh, that's going to give Eastern a, a, a tough – a tough matchup. And then, like you said, it's tough when you, when we're early because everybody's played money games, they've either been in the big money game or they played someone that they paid to come. Um, so numbers become, you know, kind of crazy when you're trying to evaluate and, and get predictions and things like that. That's why I feel like because Western was able to get the running game plus what they want to do, which is pass, get it off and they brought defense, I think they're tough out if they put last week behind them. Now, if yep. they're still living in last week, it's going to be tough. Plus, they're on the road. And plus, man, I, I do want to yes. send out our thoughts, condolences to Eastern Kentucky and also the family of Roy Kidd, legendary head coach for Eastern Kentucky, man, national champion for Eastern Kentucky, uh, passed away this week. He got his name on the field. It's going to be real emotional for this game as well. That's another – Big factor. I wanted to make sure to say that, man. Uh, uh, definitely thinking about that community, man. I know it's, it's probably been a tough week for all those guys, all the team, the coaches, and everyone. And also, shout, man, shout out to Mike Reed in the chat, man. Appreciate you tuning in. But, man, shifting to Western, I just want to see can they replicate the front seven that they had last week, man. They sacked Michael Harris six times. They shut down the run. Their secondary is talented, man. C.J. Williams and Rod Gatson in that secondary, legit. Andres Keaton at safety. This game is so big. And like you said, can they move on? Oh, man, you can't think about what you did to Sanford. This is a different team, a different week. You're on the road this week. You aren't going to have that home crowd. You probably aren't going to have a six-hour rain delay either, hopefully. <laughs> and so there's there's a lot different from last week. And, I, I, Coach, I'll be honest. They have enough offensive weapons to win this game. I'm on this Western Carolina bandwagon. I was high on them in the preseason. I picked them as my sleeper when we did our sleeper picks this offseason. Give me the Catamounts 34-31 over Eastern Kentucky in one of the best games of the weekend. I can get with that. Uh, I'm picking them as well uh, because they had, like I said, they got the added ingredient, which was the run game. Um, and then you just said, you know, they sprinkled a little bit of more, you know, a little more of that uh, season on there with the defense. If that if that is true, that defense travels, um, you know, I think they'll come out in a 28, uh, 21, 28, 17 type thing. And this was going to be on the storylines, but we were running out of time. And so I'll just briefly say this. If you're a voter and did not rank Western Carolina, I need your credentials ripped. You had to. I, I need them. I need them ripped. What are we you doing? 
They beat the number eight team in the country by 23 points. And there were people who didn't vote for them in the FCS top 25. What are we doing? Not even come on, you had to. I think we talked. No, no, I mean, okay, no, I, like let, no. Let, let me re- let me rephrase that. that. I mean, they they definitely received votes. I mean, they were like 16th in my oh. ballot. Sam Herter had them really high too, so they definitely received votes. Let me see, that coach. They were let's see, 26, 27. They were 28th in the country this week. You don't beat number eight and be 28. And then Sanford I mean, is 18th. No, 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 no. Make it make sense. Make it make sense, guys. Like, I I just oh. – they, They've got to crack the top 25. they got to – I mean, tied for 25th, uh, Blue Bloods University, Western Carolina, uh, tied for 24th. It, it, they they got to crack the top 25. It's crazy to me that people are not willing to put their preseason ballots aside, like, Bro, you it, okay? Because if Sanford would have won, that would have been they would have still been number eight in your ballot. But they lost by twenty three, and now they're like, eh, like were we wrong about Sanford? It was like you weren't wrong last week. <laughs> like, what are we basing it on? And like, there's no way because, like I told you, I start with my ballot from scratch each week. Man, Western Carolina is above them in my rankings. Morgan State is above Richmond. Anybody who voted for Richmond over Morgan State in their ballot two weeks ago. Gotta be fine. I mean, what are we doing? Can't do that. You can't hold the, Morgan State's loss to Akron over that because to me, Richmond and, and Morgan State were here. And, and like you said, Morgan State won that game, that head to head matchup. I just don't know how you do that. And, and I, I, it gets even worse, coach. The coaches poll, right? The coaches poll had Sanford at 14. This week, the coaches poll, and they held, hang on, this is gonna this is gonna make you this is gonna make you upset. Let's see, 26, 27. They had Yale at 28. Yale hasn't even played a game this year yet, by the way. 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34, 35. Western Carolina had five votes, coach. That was it in the coaches poll. Morgan State had one vote in the coaches poll, and Richmond had 17. It's like 113 of them. What are we doing? Coach, Murray State had more votes in the top 25 than Western Carolina and Morgan. Harvard and Yale, who haven't even played a game yet, had more votes in the coaches' poll. And th- and Jackson State had 10 more votes than Western Carolina and, and 14 more votes than Morgan State. How do I get a ballot, man? I need a ballot. Oh, God. This is – oh, man. Like, I need a ballot. I, because this is why I get so mad when people love the coaches poll. Because, like, yes, the media poll was bad this week, but at least like Western was like right on the brink, the brink of breaking in. One coach is voting for Morgan State after beating a top twenty-five team in Richmond and almost losing to Akron, and they have less votes than St. Thomas, who doesn't have scholarships and just lost twenty-eight to nothing to South Dakota, and still has not beat a Division One team with scholarships in two seasons. Um, I think that's like. Uh... I don't know when I was in school, they had those little tests where you just kind of bubble in it. You had to have the number two pencil and you just kind of went down. And that, I mean, that's the only way to explain that. Like I got to get this in at 12 o'clock and it's 1155. Let me just go with the names that I know. Cause no. you can't make that make sense, man. Someone's got to have it. Played? 
yeah, teams that haven't played. The coaches are out here just copy and pasting ballots from 2008 out here. Like, who is voting for Yale and Harvard and they have not even played yet? What Come are we on, doing? They, they don't even I start the season until this week. I need a Listen, ballot. Find out if Fred McNair is voting, man. Just send him. My, you know what? I'm going. I'm. I am going to the office tomorrow morning, and I'm like, hey, I'm in charge of this from now on, brother. I got it. I got it. Bro, get get Coach Fred a vote in the coaches poll. If Fred McNair is voting, man, Coach Fred is put in for, for Max vote. Somebody, man, uh, Mr. Jones said somebody had Alabama State over Jackson State. Like, is that true? No, I don't. I don't think as Alabama. Oh, that might be the HBCU poll that like yeah. Dr. Cavill or HBCU game because Alabama State hasn't received a vote in the top twenty-five yet, or oh, at least okay. from what I've seen. I know definitely not in the media any, poll in any ballot. Yeah, I mean that. I think that might be one of the HBCU top tens, whether it's Knightley, Dr. Cavill, or whoever. But man, that's just tangent that was supposed to be a storylines but i was like i don't want to talk about it and we covered this game and it was like irking my soul i was like no nah, i gotta get it out i can't wait because i can't get it out now because if western loses this week then i'll lose it i'll lose it if western loses no, 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 this no. week because it was it was on what they had done that's fact it was on what they had done you know same I, I, thing i'm with, with you same thing with um with morgan i mean to me if i'm an fcs guy in the way Morgan lost that game, but the way they played versus Richmond um, and just looking at the product, I mean, you don't, you don't hold that Akron game against them. Um, and you definitely can't put Richmond above them. No, no. Cause I mean, Morgan moved up in mind. Morgan's okay. Morgan was going to be my 2015 until Western jumped in my top 25 and it like booted them out like one spot. Like that's what happened is Western took more. It, it happens. I mean, they beat the number eight team in the country, but if Morgan beats Townsend this week and, and they are not in the top 25, listen, it is going to be a rage on this, on this show on Monday or Sunday, whenever we end up doing this, but Guys, in the chat real quick, as we move on to the next game, let me let me and Coach know, would you guys rather us go live Sunday night, super late, 9 p.m., 9.30 to do the recap, or did y'all like the 4, 4.30 p.m. in the afternoon on Monday? Which 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 one would y'all rather do the recap on, late Sunday night or early early on Monday, man, right as y'all are getting off work? But, Coach, shifting to – we got three more games here real quick. Number 19, Southeastern Louisiana, 0-2. Traveling to Eastern Washington, also 0-2. Both of these teams have had brutal schedules. Southeastern Louisiana faced Mississippi State and South Alabama. Eastern Washington had the unfortunate game against North Dakota State, and then they went and played Fresno State, played them really, really close. Coach, um, how are you feeling about this matchup? Um, you know, again, it's like you kind of said, to, to go through the numbers um, and actually try to find it and, and watch some of the games, uh, being that everybody's playing up, uh, so to speak, up. Uh, it's kind of tough, but, you know, Southeastern, I think at this point, uh, you know, giving up 500 a game, knowing who they played against, you got to think that that number is going to come down. Uh, Eastern Washington, uh, right around the same thing. So somebody's got to, you know, reestablish who they are defensively. And I think, you know, Southeastern, offensively, we know who they are, what they want to be. Um, I think that gives them the edge. If their defense can get back to the traction that, you know, that they would be had they not played the money games, uh, I think the, the defense gives them the uh, the edge. But 
again, where do you, how do you, how do you break it down uh, because of the scheduling that they both have, you know, both have had? Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. I think this is the first true test of that two quarterback system that, listen, I, there, I don't support that, but, but Selfo has done it really well and consistently at his time at Southeastern. Zachary Clement, all conference guy transferred in from Northwestern State. They've got they got the returning guy, Eli Sawyer, who split time with Cephas Johnson last year. Interested to see because even though they were on the two QB system, someone's always kind of established themselves as the first guy. Where it's like he's our offense, but we'll ha- still have stuff for this other guy. Who's going to step up and be the guy for this offense? And they and listen, they got to have new players step up in the wide receiving room. I have not been super impressed with the wide receiving core. They lost a lot of guys, whether it was to graduation or transfers. Darius Lewis has kind of been the guy this season, but I need to see some depth develop. And then defensively, like you said, they got to have more play out of the defensive line. I don't know if they have that guy right now on the defensive line that I could circle and say he's the game changer. And I feel like that's going to be – Yeah, Yeah, they 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 definitely did. They lost a lot. And then with Easter, man, I've been high on him. Vesperus at quarterback, 500 yards, three touchdowns, almost pulled off the upset for Fresno State last week. I think he's played really well. I love Efton Chisholm at wide receiver, 17 catches this year already in just two games. And I want to give credit. Easter's known for their offense. Their front seven has been really good. 12 tackles for loss and four sacks over the first two games against some really good teams. Ben Allen, Adam Cohen have played really well. I'm just interested to see what the identity of Southeastern is going to be. I think I got a good identity of what Eastern is going to be in terms of it's going to go through Vesperus. They have talent at running back. So I think they're going to be a little bit balanced. But I don't know what SLU is going to give me this this season. And I I don't know if they know. Um, You know, when we're talking about the, again, going back to what you said, that the two-quarterback system um, is always tough because – one guy may be cooking and you've got to make the decision uh, to stay with what you got going. And either we're going to our, our next game plan or we're going to stay with what's cooking. Um, I always worry about that throwing off the team's rhythm. Uh, but, you know, he's been doing that. So I guess he feels comfortable with it. But anytime you have a receiver that has 17 catches in two games, that tells me what your identity is probably going to uh, end up being, uh, if that makes yeah. sense. 17 catches in two games. Yeah. 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 The travel hasn't been bad because it's been to Mobile and then you went to Mississippi State from from where Southeastern is over in Hammond. But, man, a cross-country road trip to Cheney, Washington, that's going to be difficult, especially after playing two FBS games. I just want to see how help. Yo, definitely flying. You got that have, have to be. There's no option on that one. You just gotta fork out the money. But I'm just interested to see how healthy they are, man. They've played two big money games. Yeah. Are, is the is the team healthy? And I, I just I, I just have so many questions about SLU because it always seems to be that team where early in the season they could slip up, but then it's just like man, they get rolling through conference play and they're just un unbeatable. You know what I mean? Oh, my bad. Shaney is the way you pronounce it. The EWU fans will be mad. Shaney, not Chaney. Shaney. Just, just keep keep my comments and my mentions clean this week. But coach, man, how do you feel? How do you feel like this game's going to shake out, man? Who do you got? Who who do you have for the win in this one? I like the home team just because of what you said. Um, the uh, the travel, man, and then you don't know what the wear and tear is. 
um, for that, you know, uh, leading up. And that's why I think, you know, you have to be really strategic with your, with your scheduling um, behind your money games. Uh, you know, you don't want to go uh, Florida State, Miami, uh, right into your toughest conference game uh, in back-to-back-to-back weeks. Um, I think that becomes very important. Uh, but like you said, it's cross-country. Um, I got to go with the home team just because they are home. Uh, and I'm saying they are going to uh, do that one by a four, at least 14, two-score margin. Two margin. Four, so a 14-point upset for Eastern Washington over a top-20 team in the – man, that would be They're at huge. Home. They're huge at home. for this fan base. What does that field look like? Oh, it's, it's bright red. They're at home. It's, it's bright red. Trust me. You can't miss it. But I'm with you. I'm with you with the upset. I got Eastern Washington pulling off the upset, not by 14. I got it 27-21. I think it's going to be a back-and-forth game. I just – I think the cross-country trip, the two money games kind of is going to wear on Southeastern. And I and I, I think Vispress is going to make enough plays. That secondary lost a lot of transfers. Zy Alexander to LSU, they lost a few guys to graduation. I think he's going to be able to make some plays with Efton Chisholm and that wide receiving core, man. Give me Eastern Washington 27-21 in the close one. But, man, Coach, shift into our final two games quickly, man. We went a little bit over time here. Number 10 incarnate word, 1-1, one one, traveling to Abilene Christian, 2-0, a late kickoff, 8 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN+. Plus. Coach, man, this game has a lot of ramifications for both teams, man. Can incarnate word get it rolling under a new head coach, man, and, and stay in that top 10? I think they do. Um, I think they bring enough offense uh, to uh, to pull this one out. Uh, they're almost at uh, you know almost at 500 yards a game, um, and then Ab is giving up right around 400 yards a game. Um, I think that's the uh, the deciding factor, and I think pride kicks in in this one here because everybody has said. Incarnate Word was supposed to be this. They're supposed to be this, and I think now that they're getting they're getting back to to their level, to our level, being head up, not playing up. Uh, I think this is where they start to press the gas a little bit. Um, I take them in this matchup here. You know the the interesting thing is we're in week three. We do have a common opponent. Abilene Christian faced Northern Colorado week one, defeated them thirty one to eleven, and then. Incarnate Word being a 42 to 7 last week in their first FCS matchup. So it's weird that we have a common opponent. But what did we say about that? Oh, oh I'm with you. But I, I, I just thought it was <laughs> I'm rare. Just with you. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I just thought it was rare because, yeah, it beat down both. But I will say, Appling Christian is a team coming in from last year that I was really high on. I thought they showed a lot of improvement. They, they became like the bottom feeder to a con- real contender. And when I look at this year, when I look at this year, Maverick McIver at quarterback, and that kid's legit, 533 yards, five touchdowns. Anyway, Maverick McIver, legit. And Blaine Taylor, man, 211 receiving yards in just two games. The kid is balling. Their passing attack is legit. And when you look at their secondary, only 168 yards allowed per game and only one touchdown allowed through the air coach. One. Put that into perspective. Who have they played? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, that uh, that alone, I mean, is is, I mean, you're balling back there. But oh, yeah. at the end of the day, uh, you have to put that behind you because now you are where you're playing up 
or is that who you really are? Yeah. Oh, I'm with you because, you know, you look at PV and it's like, man, they did run for 300 on them, but it's like, like, well, how can you take, because that, that's a run for a team. And the question mark becomes, can Incarnate Word establish a run like a PV could? Do they have the Caleb Johnsons, the 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 Ahmads in that backfield? I don't know. I mean, listen, Trey Siggers and those. Yeah, that's what I'm with you. Is you. It's like if you're Incarnate Word, do you say, okay, we passed the ball really well. We got Zach Calzada. We have all this talented wide receiver, Caleb Chapman, all these guys. We're going to go at your strength, which is your secondary, and just we're going to be better than you. Or do you say, let's try to establish the run because this team has really struggled to stop the run this year? Because that's what we do. Um, you know, we'll sprinkle it in timely, but we are who we are, and that's, you know, what it's going to be. So, you know, to me, I don't think you take uh, that too heavily um, because, again, when you go back to, like, the PV deal, uh, who was in the ball game at that time, um, I think, you know, has a, a lot to do with it as well. Uh, but I kind of like the fact that they are going to be who they are um, they're not going to sugarcoat it, and that's their strength. They know, uh, so I got to ride with that, you know. Man, Zach Calzada looked really good last week. He 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 looked a little bit shaky at times, in terms of, and, and just just in terms of like his overall game at UTEP. He had a great first half, not so great of a of a second half, man. And when I look at this team, Stephen Parker, legit at edge rusher, man. I mean, already five t- five tackles for loss, two and a half sacks. Tylen Foster, a linebacker, was a hell of a pickup in the transfer portal. I want to say it was a JUCO transfer for Incarnate Word. I- I'm with you, though, man. I think the quarterback battle between McIver and Calzado is probably going to be the difference. And, and like Dustin said, he took the words out of my mouth, man. I mean, he they look like they're starting to gel, find their rhythm. Like when they were really inconsistent week one against Utah, I think this is a high-scoring game. But give me incarnate word 41-37 to 37 over Abilene Christian this weekend. I think uh, high-scoring as well. And I think whoever wins the turnover battle uh, yep. definitely wins that because, you know, that plays a part in it. Um, I don't think the timing rules is going to affect anything in this ball game whatsoever. Uh, but I, you know, I think uh, Incarnate Word has to, at this point, uh, start to establish themselves and uh, start building toward the hype uh, that surrounded the program up to this point. Um, I go with a 35 21 type situation. Oh, I like it. And shout out to. My, my guy, Mr. Uh, Mr. Corey Johnson, the chat man, uh, Caleb's dad. Um, he said, remember, PV outgained Appling Christian last week. And they, okay. they lost off of turnovers. That turnover battle came into play. It's a real thing. <laughs> yeah. Hey, in some you, cases, it's a real thing. That That is a fact. And our game of the week, man, as we wrap this up, number 15, Southern Illinois, 2-0, and one of the hottest teams in the FCS right now, traveling to Southeast Missouri State, 1-1, and or SEMO. I want to shorten that up. 7 p.m. Eastern time kickoff, ESPN Plus. Coach, this one is actually played for a trophy. Do you want to take a guess at what the rivalry is between Southern Illinois and SEMO? Southern Illinois and SEMO. It's the Lukies. I don't know. You got me on that one, B. The War of the Wheel. So is it a wagon wheel trophy? 
no it is it is like a boat wheel like it, it was made because early when this matchup was being played coach this is the like i want to say the 91st meeting between these Ooh. teams and okay. the visiting yeah. team would ha- yeah the visiting team would have to cross the mississippi in a boat to play this game <laughs> and so they have the wheel you know yeah so that's that's where they got it from i, I thought that was interesting that these teams coach these schools are separated by less than 50 miles i have a question go ahead What's a boat wheel? Like a like a steering wheel of a boat. Oh, an actual steering wheel. Yeah, it's like a ship steering wheel. It's like the big wheel that's up in the captain's thing. Yeah, it's like the huge thing. <laughs> it's like yeah. the huge steering wheel in the boat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because they had to they had to go across the river, man, because it's less than fifty miles. I thought that I at first I did not know like up until probably last year or year before oh, I did not know these schools were like <laughs> thirty miles apart. These schools are like you could see each other from the campus. You know how dangerous that is. <laughs> oh yeah, could you imagine? Like, because because this rivalry, I mean, it's a rivalry. But man, could you imagine like some of the other rivalries across the FCS if they were like in the same city? Wow, less than man, that's crazy. Like, like, like if Alcorn and Jackson could see each other from the dorms, man. That's crazy. Or like Southern and Grambling. I mean, come on, man. It, it, it just couldn't happen. But, Coach, how are you feeling about this one, man? I mean, listen, Southern Illinois coming off a huge FBS win. We talked about them on the on the recap show. SEMO, top 15 in the country, five preseason All-Americans. How are you feeling about this matchup? You know, I really like SEMO. Um, I think the worst thing that happened to uh, Southern Illinois was that win. Um because, again, I think it just kind of uh, – it, it takes you a lot during the week to get your kids back. Uh, when you pull that off and then everybody's saying how great it was, uh, I'm sure the local radio, local television was saying how great that win was. Um, and it was a great win. But, again, right behind that great win, you have a big game. Um, and it's a – it's a situation where a lot of times it takes you a half to get going. And I don't know if they have a half to give SEMO an opportunity to get out front. Um, and then they try to catch them at the end. Uh, that's why I say, I think SEMO with their offense, uh, I think they can do enough to uh, get out early and be able to hang on, uh, hang on late, uh, not penalizing. We want to win every game, but it just takes a lot to get your team back after being, you know, scoring a big win like that. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, and last year, Paxton DeLorean had a massive game in this one. I'm talking about a huge game in this one. And, I mean, if he has a big game and then on top of that you have Geno Hess, man, it, it could get that it, it could get ugly for you really, really fast. I think that's the key. If you're Southern Illinois, you have to take something away from Simo, you can't let you can't let Paxton Delorean get off, and you can't let Gino Hess have a big game either. I mean, because at, at that point, man, you're giving everything that Simo wants, and that's a that's a big question mark to me with this one. It's just what's this defense going to be like? They got. So, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. So I was going to say to you, what do you take away? What's the which 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 part yeah. of that game do you want to say? Hey, we're going to eliminate, G- and we'll play ball from there. Gino Hess. He leads all active FCS players in rushing yards. I want to say he's over 4,200 career rushing yards and touchdown runs with almost 60. So you're going to step the box and say, beat me throwing. Yep, because because Geno Hess is too consistent. If you Geno Hess has shown that if you let him get off, 
it's a 300 yard game. <laughs> well, I mean, I was in person when he became the like SEMO's all time leading rusher against Tennessee State. They had nothing for him. Nothing. I mean, it, it didn't matter what they threw at him. He, he was he ran for like three or four touchdowns that night. They didn't know what to do. Geno Hess is that level of athlete. You look at the passing attack. You do have DeLorean. I like Ryan Flournoy, who's an All-American wide receiver, but really and truly, their wide receiving core isn't as deep as their running back room, and they don't have a guy like Hess, man. Hess is a game changer. But when you look at Southern Illinois, too, Nick Baker has been playing insane this year. I want to say he's completed five or more passes to four different wide receivers already. Somebody says he's a uh, Toyota Corolla. <laughs> they just keep rolling, right? Oh, just downhill, and there's nothing you can do. But I, I do want to give credit to the Salukis defense. They've played Austin P in an FBS school. So it's not no money games, no D2 teams. They play two respectable teams. Their defense has only allowed 51 rushing yards per game, 1.8 yards per carry. That's uh, that's impressive mm. uh, in itself uh, when you're talking about a uh, early, early on situation because what does every offense want to do early? It's easier to run the ball than to throw the ball. So when you can cut that off uh, the way they have um, and you start to hang your hat on that, I think that becomes really, really impressive. Uh, but yeah, that, uh, that Northwestern win, I think is still looming. Uh, cause that's huge. That's huge. Yeah. I, that's big. I love PJ jewels in the secondary man, 17 tackles, three pass breakups was the FCS defensive player of the week for FCS radio last week. A uh, defensive lineman, man already, uh, Colin Bohannick, three and a half tackles for loss already. That's going to be a big one, but just defensively the secondary, has more interceptions this year than touchdowns allowed for SEMO, man. So that's a good matchup. So that's what make, that's what makes this game so interesting to me is you have great matchups on each side of the ball. SEMO's defense, the strengths in the secondary, Southern Illinois, their strengths in the passing attack offensively. Flip it, Geno Hess in the running attack is the strength of SEMO, and the strength of, of the Saluki's defense is the rushing defense. Perfect. I, yeah, you love that matchup. And, Coach, I do want to make this note before we make our picks. Three of the last five meetings between these programs have been decided by less than five points, including last year's win for SEMO, which was 34-31. I go with SEMO to do it again. Um, just because, again, uh, timing rules and uh, momentum. I know you would say Southern Illinois has the momentum, but I think their momentum is a little different than what what CMO's got going on. Uh, I take CMO 24 21 uh, type win. Ooh, I like I, I like that. And I'm I'm with you. I'm going with CMO. I think Southern Illinois is is one of the like hotter teams in terms of what's going on in FCS football. But I just I think Gino has shown the ability he can make plays in big games. And I think DeLoren is good enough to make the plays when he needs to. If you could just get, just be consistent, don't turn the football over from DeLoren, this team's hard to beat. I think they escape with a close win, Coach. Give me another close win, 38-35 for the Red Hawks this weekend. Oh, okay. I, I think it's going to be close, man. I, and th that I'll, I'll say this, that game and the, um, the West the, – what was it? The Western Carolina-Eastern game. Man, those games could have went either way with me. Yeah, I really and truly. I mean, it it could have been 
it, it went back and forth, man. But, Coach, man, let me get your final thoughts here on this week. Real quick, I, okay, I found a picture of the trophy for you, man, so we can visualize it for the people watching it on YouTube. Let me upload this real quick because apparently I, I thought everyone kind of knew what a boat wheel was, but maybe I just took – I, I grew up on the coast. Wheel. I said boat steering wheel. Or, or, yeah. But, I mean – you Let's know. see. We got a lot of CMOs in the chat. So, Coach, we got this. <laughs> That's what they play for right there. You get to take that home with you. What is it called? A steering wheel? It's called something I don't know. else. It, it, it might. Chat, what is what is that called? Like, like you can make me Google what a boat wheel is called. Like, this is like the Not Blue Bloods. It's, it's something else. Let's see. I, ch chat, what is it? Hang on. Let's see. Boat wheel name is is. Is it called like a special thing? It yeah. is. It is called something different. You're right. It's called a helm. <laughs> the helm. So you are right on that. Listen, that, that's that's a that's an L for me. Listen, I'm just gonna add an L to our pick'em records at the end of the year. So or a a, a tiller or wheel and any associated equipment for steering a ship or boat. So it is a Thank wheel, you. but it's Thank technically called a helm. So why do they call it the battle of the it. wheel? They should call it the battle of the helm. Thank you, Dustin. I appreciate that. Because I'm like, I've never heard of a boat wheel. What's a boat wheel? It's tough. That was a, that was, that was a tough loss for me on that one, man. But, guys, all the picks um, from tonight's show and a few other games for me will be available on the website um, tomorrow morning, uh, thebluebloodcfb.com. We redesigned the website, got a full new look. And there might be some big changes, man. Let's just say this. there. Um, I can't give all the details, man. But, listen, y'all are rocking with me at 1030 at night. We're in discussions with a major company to move the website over under a bigger umbrella in terms of a media company stay tuned for more details on that man so uh, big changes could be happening i believe we're not done yet yeah <laughs> what you got coach no nah, i'm gonna leave it alone i'm gonna leave it alone. <laughs> oh man but guys listen man hit the like button hit the subscribe button coach it was a consensus late sunday night for the chat they they they, they want it Sunday. They want it Sunday night. So guys, not it'll be in between nine and ten o'clock start time. Man. It's gonna be real late, man. So stay up on Sunday night. Yes. Um, hang with us, man. We're we're gonna recap all the games each week. One of the only FCS shows that does two hour to an hour and a half shows a week, and on top of that, has an active coach in the FCS man to come on and chop it up with us, man. I don't think there's any other coach in the country, man, that'd be on here till ten thirty at night. And I promise you, we won't be this long before. It's just like the storylines just write themselves, man. And it's just like we might just have hey. to have – if, if the scores and stuff go the way they may go this weekend, we may just have to do a storyline show uh, yeah. with nothing but that because – We might need to do that. We might need to do that anyway. I guess we're just game planning the show live. Um it, it on on live here. That's what that's what y'all get when we go late at 10 30. We could do like a Sunday recap show, like a Tuesday storyline show just for like the previous weekend, the next week, and then we'll do like a preview show on Thursday night, man. We'll just we'll, three live streams in a week, man. We might even have to get my guy Timothy on here, get another FCS opinion. Um, but man, listen, <laughs> we'll work that out, guys, because because we got a lot to talk about, man. We're hitting an hour and a half. But coach, man, anything you want to say to everyone, man? I know it's a big weekend for you guys. And uh, you guys are preparing to take on Mitney State this weekend. Yes. Um, again, uh, thanking everybody that supports us. Um, again, tip the hat to you, brother, uh, for uh, for doing this, man, making it real and 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 having a great, you know, great time with it. 
Uh, again, never any disrespect to anybody. Uh, we just talking football, having fun. Uh, support FCS football, man, 1AA. Uh, it's a, a great brand of football across the board. Uh, Stephen F. Austin, great atmosphere. Uh, never would have known it had I not been there live in, in person. I mean, they actually let kids, college kids, come in the stadium with axe handles. They let they let them come in the stadium with axe handles. That's real life. You know, uh, things could have things could have got crazy. But anyway, uh, you know, support it, man. Uh, the best you can in any way that you can. Uh, kids are really, really, really talented. And uh, go Braves. Mr. Johnson put in the chat, Alcorn PV next week. I think everyone's looking forward to that one, man. I, I can't wait. I know you can't wait. It, it's going to be a big one. But, guys, like I said, hit the like button, subscribe, and this, this replay will be available on YouTube as usual. And audio version can be found on all podcast streaming platforms. Check out the website tomorrow for picks and other content throughout the weekend for myself, Timothy, in terms of writing. And then me and Coach will be back Sunday night. Recap all the week three FCS action. But, guys, for Coach Fred, for myself, and for the Blue Bloods, man, we are out for right now.